Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And if you are parenting a highly sensitive child, wondering what their wild behavior is all about, then make sure that you are sticking around today. So here at MTC, we help parents break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. And if you find your child struggling with those big behaviors like hitting and kicking and screaming, throwing their body on the floor, throwing things at you, uh, you know, stomping, stomping away and, and tossing homework, ripping papers uh, and hurting other siblings or threatening, saying things like, like life would be a better off without them or that you don't love me or you hate them or they hate you, then it's really important that you stick around. We're going to talk about where your child is struggling, what is going on with this behavior and also how to not label it as wild, right? <laughs> so uh, it might be blowing your mind, right? It might be pretty pretty tricky to figure out, but uh, it, there is a reason for it. Your child is <laughs> not feral uh, and uh, we can help you break out of this pattern. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Myth number one, your child is not lacking empathy. Your child is lacking skill. What, Megan, what are you telling me? When my child tells me that they hate me, that, that you're mean to tell me that that doesn't mean that uh, that they don't care about my feelings? Of course, actually quite the contrary. Highly sensitive children feel big feelings and they have tons of empathy and tons of compassion. The challenge is, however, acting on that empathy, being able to show that empathy, show that compassion. It is actually impossible for a highly sensitive child to lack empathy because being highly sensitive means that your child is more empathetic than 80% of the population. So if you see signs of this, if you see glimmers of your child being what you might consider overly compassionate or more uh, empathetic in certain avenues and you see pockets of this or glimmers of this, then this is really important to pay attention to because all you need to focus on now is consistency, growing that empathy, growing your child's capacity to work on building that empathy and uh, and building the their ability to show the empathy, I should say, rather than starting from scratch, rather than teaching empathy, right? because empathy isn't taught. You cannot teach empathy from a lecture. You cannot teach empathy from logic. Empathy is built through modeling. So how do we focus on that? We teach based on the missing skills so that your child feels heard, feels understood, receives your empathy, and then breaks out of the pattern that they have of struggling to show their own empathy. All right. So First things first, to pay attention to this, when we look at this as a skill gap, then it's a lot easier to notice that your child's behavior is impulsive. 
It is not intentional. Your child does not want to hurt you because that would make them miserable. And no child is put on this earth to be miserable. Yes, yes. Your child would be miserable if their parent were hurt. They would be miserable if their parent didn't like them. They would be miserable if their parent didn't treat them with kindness and compassion. That is actually the opposite of what human beings are built to do to preserve oneself, right? So it is actually the antithesis of survival. Your child is acting opposite their survival instincts when they are acting this impulsive. That's self-destructive, guys. That's self-destructive. So it's a clear skill skill gap. It is not intentional. You have to be focusing on that. That's myth number two, noticing that this is not intentional. Even if your child says, I want you to be mad. I'm happy that you're angry. All of that impulsive behavior. Very, very important that you understand that. Secondly, when your child doesn't have these skills, they are acting impulsively. And, and when they act impulsively, what happens next? They think poorly of themselves. When they think poorly of themselves, what happens after that? Shame, right? They call themselves a piece of crap. Part of my language. In any other way, I'm a bad kid. This doesn't work for me. I never get it. You never understand me, right? And so what happens is your child then ends up creating more problems for themselves because why? They quit, quit too early, okay? So when we think about the symptoms of the issue, the meltdown cycle has a lot of symptoms. One of the symptoms that, you're, that your child is demonstrating to you is this impulsive behavior. That's what we're talking about today. But it's really important to notice that that is the middle of the snowball rolling down the hill, right? The end of the snowball rolling down the hill is that your child has uh, many more worries that they're telling you. What if this happens? What if, um, and, and paying attention to the negativity. Oh my, you know, I had a great day at the, you, you notice you had a great day at the park, but there was one little scuffle between your child and, and a little fr a friend that they have. And what happens is they come home and they say, I'm never playing with that friend again. And they are never kind to me. And I never have fun. And I don't want to go back to that park ever again. Your child starts per perpetuating this negative experience. They start just focusing on that negativity, right? And so when your child is creating problems from small incidents, when you look at the whole day, the whole proportionally, I think, you know, it's important for us to notice. I'm not telling your, you to tell your child this is a small thing. For your child, they are making it a very big thing, right? So that would be invalidating to tell them that it's tiny or that they don't need to worry about it, right? But what's happening is your child is growing the negativity and shrinking the positivity. And that is a symptom of skill gap. Your child has struggling with regulating their emotions. They're struggling with breaking out of the pattern of making mountains of, out of molehills. And it's very difficult for them to think positively. Now, not being able to think positively or talk about events positively is another symptom of the problem. So it's really important that when you break out of this pattern, you're not working on breaking out of it by trying to solve the problem at the symptoms, right? The end of the road is that your child starts acting negatively, that your child starts thinking negatively, and that your child starts paying attention to just negative things. You can't start focusing on growth mindset and start teaching your child that it's okay to make mistakes or that it's okay for them to experience negative events 
and have that fix the problem. That's the end of the road, right? You have a um, snowball rolling down the hill is a great example, but let's think about a car rolling down the hill, right? Let's look at this from, from, a, from an understanding of, of the mass destruction that happens when a car rolls down the hill and crashes into a tree, okay? If you're trying to tell the car, it's okay, let's pop those dents out. We're gonna be fine, right? You might find yourself struggling with the awareness that the car ended up crashed into a tree because the brakes were broken, right? So why are we trying to pop dents out of the, the busted up car, trying to replace the headlight when the engine and the brakes and the brake pads are, are the things that need to be shifted, right? Uh, it's really important to be paying attention to this pattern. When we teach clients to break out of this pattern, we teach them to go upstream. Why is your child going uh, down into negative town and staying there and hopelessness and victimhood and woe is me and this is awful and everything's terrible. You can't teach your child to think differently from, by trying to convince them. Highly sensitive kids won't take action when they're feeling convinced, right? So. It's important that you avoid assumptions. This is the other piece that you need to be paying attention to. Because if you're assuming that your child is jumping to conclusions about these events and they're not paying attention to all those positive events at all, then you will treat this experience with a lot of force. You'll start to try to convince your child. You'll start to worry, oh my gosh, my child will never uh, think positively. I must fix this now. And you'll address the symptoms with a lot of urgency. Again. You have that crashed up, banged up car. It's not working. You can't be just popping dents from the hood and expect it to run again, right? So we think about the challenges that you're, that you're dealing with in this dynamic. You have to notice where you, you were shifting um, in the beginning, right? And uphill starts with you. You're, you're your child's parent. And so when we bring that car back and we re rewind the crash, right? Uh, we need to be paying attention to how you are jumping to conclusions about your child's behavior. Because when you're trying to teach your child to avoid this, this aggression, to avoid this, um, you know, the lack of, of communication, effect, the lack of effective communication, it is important for you to notice that when you approach your child from curiosity and you start to understand, well, wait a minute, why is my child acting aggressively? Why is my child going straight for their brother when they're frustrated, even though the brother had nothing to do with it? Your bro the brother's just literally existing in the home that they're allowed to exist in. Then you get to stay out of your own danger zone. When you stay out of your own danger zone of, I got to fix this now, the sky is falling, everything's terrible. Which, by the way, I'm not saying that you shouldn't think that it's a terrible thing that if your kid hits, hits your other kid. That's not appropriate. We don't want to see kids hitting each other in, in our homes, right? Uh, it's not developmentally appropriate for children over the age of six to be hitting regularly. And regularly for six-year-olds is weekly or every other week. That's what I aim for. And this is what we have our clients strive for. So if your kid's hitting their siblings and that's happening regularly, daily, multiple times a day for an hour hitting you or siblings, that's a major problem. You need to be addressing that. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're highly sensitive, has everything to do with the fact that they are stuck in the meltdown cycle. So definitely need to be paying attention to this. And when you're paying attention to it from a place of empowerment and knowing what to fix first, then your child follows suit. Why? Because if you're running around like, um, I always get this wrong, chicken little, like the sky is falling, right? I think that's the, that's the, the uh, character. 
I don't remember, but um, then your child's going to respond in that fear and that frustration and that overwhelm. And when that happens, your child feels incapable. And again, when we go back to the skill gap, one of the skill gaps that your child has is a sense of feeling capable of solving their problems creatively. And so it's really important that you be that you're focusing on on managing your mindset. That if you're having a negative emotional reaction, which is totally appropriate, right? When you're stuck in that symptom, uh, you need to break out of the symptoms as well, right? Um, then you're going to be judging your child's behavior. And so I'm not asking you to convince yourself that this isn't a problem. That is not a mindset shift that we want our clients making or that we tell our tell any parent when you're when your child is hitting uh, and you're saying, oh, that's fine, that's normal, that's developmentally appropriate. No, it's not, guys, it's not. And um, especially at the frequency that we're talking about today, it's really important that when you respond in fear or confusion or anger, how is this happening? Why is this happening? What's going on with my kid? What's wrong with them? That level of assumption and the conclusions that you jump to as a result, my kid is broken, my kid needs... Um, therapy. My kid needs to fix this. It's something on them. It's, it's something innately wrong with them. Then what happens is you end up uh, forfeiting your leadership to your child. Your child no longer has the ability to follow your leadership. Instead, it's their problem to fix and you defer to other people to help you fix it. Now, what's important when we think about fixing this problem from the root as parents, you lead your child into emotion regulation. So you need to be able to break yourself out of your own mindset, your own woe is me patterns in order to support your child in breaking out of their own. So the next piece that we want to talk about today, and I want to highlight this, and this is uh, likely going to be a, a short show today, but uh, communication is critical, right? So because if you're communicating with your child that, uh, that, that they need to figure this out and that that they can't be treating their sibling like this. And I can't believe you had the audacity to hit your sibling. Don't you know that that's not safe? Don't you see that they're struggling here? How, how dare you do that? We've been talking about this. We use safe hands. We use nice hands in our home. When you use labels like that, what you're doing is you're perpetuating shame. You're supporting your child and following through on believing that they are not nice and they are not safe. And that type of language is ineffective. Not only is it ineffective, it also sends the wrong message to your child. It sends the message to your child that they are making a choice here. And again, we go back upstream to notice that this is a skill gap. You are the one that needs to teach your child, not tell your child what to do. Your child needs to learn playfully through you. They need to feel curious that, it's, that they're capable of change. And your child cannot be curious and feel capable if they are stuck in shame. So. If you were parented in a way that your parents lectured you or used punishment or used frustration or aggravation to get the point across, you might have some semblance or heavy <laughs> level of belief that shame supports you in making decisions. And I got to tell you, that is absolutely false. Shame keeps you stuck. Shame keeps you helpless. Shame helps you feel powerless and lack control. And so when you're noticing that, and shame also helps you blame other people for your problems. And so when you're noticing that, it's really important to understand that shame is demotivating. It decreases motivation. It decreases internal motivations, which is what we need for children to feel curiously capable of solving their problem. And it's really important that you're paying attention to that. So 
go ahead and listen to other shows I have related to why punishment doesn't work, why shame is a big barrier to progress and uh, what you need to do to break out of it. So let, let's talk about that piece now, right? You can't ask your kid why they're engaging in this behavior. They don't know. They don't know, right? Your child is answering. I don't know. Not because they don't want to talk about it, though they also don't want to talk about it, but because they don't know how to stop the train, you know, the, the car from running downhill. That's the whole point, right? I don't know where I went left when I should have gone right. Aren't you supposed to tell me that, mom? Aren't you supposed to tell me that with that, dad, right? So without you knowing how to support your child and learning this behavior, your child will never be able to break out of this pattern. Your sensitive kid will start to blame themselves. Again, this is the whole problem with shame, right? When we, we stay focused on blame, we stay out of a sense of responsibility. When you blame yourself and you tell yourself that you're a bad kid, you're not going to actually take responsibility for your actions. That's again, like I said, it's demotivating. You feel terrible. And when you feel terrible, you don't actually do anything to fix it, right? Instead, you start to feel like Eeyore. Woe is me. Everything's awful. I won't get anywhere. Might as well not even try, right? And that's what happens. You see this going on in your child's experiences, right? Now, I'm not telling you that your child has to be Eeyore all day long. That's just not how children work. That's not how child, children respond to the world. Your sensitive child may also feel positive emotions. That's healthy, right? What happens though is when there's this Jekyll and Hyde situation, when, when your child is struggling and then all of a sudden it goes to the opposite end of the spectrum. This is what I'm talking about here. This pendulum swinging, all or nothing, zero to 60, right? And that's a symptom of the meltdown cycle. It's like the, 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 there's a flip switched and uh, you're surprised by your child's big, ineffective and dangerous behavior. And so when we, when we follow through on a, on a process that teaches you how to not only jump, stop jumping to conclusions, but also know exactly how to set expectations in a safe, effective and systematic manner, then you can playfully support your child in stopping their own train of jumping to conclusions that life is terrible and, and that their friends will never be friends with them and nobody likes them, right? And when you can do that, then your child starts to follow through. Your child starts to believe that hope, not all hope is lost, right? That it, it is possible to act systematically, that it is possible to change how you respond and that they can start to tell you, actually, I do have some insight on this issue because you help them grow that insight, right? And you can't grow a child's insight by talking at them. Uh, teaching is has to be playful. Play is the child's language. Toys are their words. You need to be able to communicate effectively and playfully. So if that's not in your nature, if you feel like you've been listening to what we have to say over and over again, and you just can't seem to get it to, to stick, obviously it's not something going to be able, I'm going to be able to break down without having a direct conversation with you about your particularly unique child, right? So when we focus on this and we support you in, in breaking out of this pattern, if you want our help to do that, book a call with our team right? Have a conversation about what it would look like for you to get systematic support, accountability, troubleshooting, and follow through. Having that feedback loop be every single day for multiple weeks on end. That's not something that you're going to be able to achieve when you're just working with somebody an hour a week, right? 
But this is what, what sets the work apart from, from the rest in terms of what we do here at MTC. When we talk to our clients and we support them and we walk them through their plans, you, our, our clients submit their plans to us and we review them. We follow through on, on what they need to focus on. We help them stay focused and stop uh, throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, right? Getting out of that spaghetti parenting mode. And when you do that, then it's a lot easier to feel less exhausted right? Because you already know you're tackling all the problems without actually having to tackle them, right? You don't have to replace the broken headlight on the car that crashed into the tree when your car's not crashing into trees anymore, right? You don't have to go figure out what headlights to, to buy because your car, you're not breaking the headlights anymore. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, conversation with our team, free, available to you. If you're parenting a highly sensitive child who is stuck in the meltdown cycle, ages 14 and under, and they're in eighth grade, then that conversation is just with you, your spouse or co-parent, if, if you're uh, parenting in a two-parent home, okay? Now, if you're parenting a teenager and you notice that, the, well, and you know, not notice, that's, that's different. If you know that they're, they're in high school, if your kid is in high school, Okay, then your kid needs to be attentive to attending that call. They need to be able to follow through on taking action. And that doesn't mean that you guys need to be on the same page or even working at the same pace to break out of this pattern. You can do that just by getting your teen to want to feel better a little bit or maybe consider it. <laughs> we can help you with that, all right? So we'll talk about uh, what you're struggling with. You will talk with my team member about uh, what your goals are, what you want to achieve, and then we'll have a conversation about whether or not what we do is uh, going to work for you, right? Because it doesn't work for everybody and it's not a fit for everybody and we don't um, invite everybody to work with us. We are very specific in who we invite to work with us and what we know works for the people that it works for, right? So if the work that we do isn't a fit, then we'll help you figure out what that uh, is going to be more, what, what's going to be more appropriate for your family, whether that be um, uh, not, a, not a parent coaching approach. Um, if your child is struggling from meltdowns due to some other developmental delay or some other uh, traumatic experience, chronic trauma, something like that, then uh, reach out and we'll, we'll be able to identify that pretty easily based on the questions that we have to ask and uh, the systems that we have in place to make sure that everybody who works with us is, is in the exact right place that they need to be. Okay. So we look forward to having that conversation. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.